Okay. Uh, good morning. I'd like to welcome all of you here, and especially Governor Whitman to Princeton, for our forum today on high technology education. Uh, we have a uh, uh, collection of uh, talks about education on various levels within the university and reaching outside the university, and we've seen some of that uh, already in our uh, demonstrations. Uh, I'm just going to speak for five minutes instead of my usual 90 minutes on Tuesday and Thursday mornings. Uh, you're uh, in a building today which is known as the Center for Photonics and Optoelectronic Materials. Uh, it was largely funded by the state to establish interdisciplinary research uh, reaching outside of the university to uh, companies and to do collaborative work and also education outside the usual university boundaries. Uh, next slide. The uh, most important message I think Governor Whitman to get today is uh, something I've seen change over my 20 years in the high technology field. Uh, the first thing I think we'll all agree with is that high technology is becoming a more pervasive force in today's society and economic, uh, economic driver. Like, there's no, no question on any of that. And it's become more important to have all of us involved in high technology on some level. Uh, the other aspect, which isn't so clear to, I think, people large, but it's very clear to me, is that scientists and engineers themselves have changed as science has become more pervasive in the last 20 years. And that rather than cloistering themselves and speaking mostly to each other and doing research to talk to each other, uh, scientists and engineers have increasingly reached out, especially from university walls to community at large and also to working with industry at large and also changing the way we educate our students ourselves in the last 20 years. And I think that's a general theme which will go through what we're here today. You've seen lots of collaborative projects already. And these are things which just didn't happen here 15 years ago. Uh, young people today just have a different attitude about uh, working with people outside their traditional boundaries. Uh, for example, in the university education area, uh, there's a large focus today on teaching things which can be translated into some kind of practical application. Now, that doesn't just mean designing things like hair dryers, as you saw, but it also means how do we translate technical ideas, how do we translate technical ideas uh, into businesses? And there's a whole new area of education, entrepreneurship, and how you start companies, and how you protect your intellectual property, which engineers didn't worry about 20 years ago. We've got a large demand from our students and also from industry to prepare that kind of education today. And you'll hear later today from Ed Zhao about new ways he's developed a teacher at Princeton about high-tech entrepreneurship. Next slide. Uh, we've also greatly changed how we work with industry. Uh, we now view them as integral partners in our programs and research. And of course, the most important thing a small company has is its intellectual capital, what the people know and what they know how to do. And the best way to do that is to have them be working with you on a ground floor of new projects you develop and new research projects. And all the laboratories you pass through today, and almost every one in this building, has industrial visitors here almost full time as uh, not people who come at the end of a project, but work on it from the beginning. And a lot of this is seated uh, the Route 1 optoelectronics corridor. Uh, we have a lot of uh, specialized facilities which we open to these companies to come in, which they can't access through private markets. And most of this has been underwritten by the New Jersey Commission on Science and Technology. Uh, I mentioned four programs here, four specific companies who've grown with us over the years. Uh, you might not see them, I'll mention their Sensors Unlimited. Uh, that was the last uh, booth you just saw, and PDLD. Both of them have grown from uh, nothing when Poem was started to companies now with about 30 employees and optoelectronic manufacturing. 
The first booth you saw was from Universal Displays, which is developing that new kind of electronic light. And they're in the process right now of citing a, a prototyping facility here in the Princeton area that will have about 20 employees. And last one I'll mention is Princeton Optics, which didn't have a booth out here. This was founded by Barry Zhang somewhere here. Hi, Barry. Uh, he was a student here in Poem and graduated a few years ago and started a small company. And he's worked with us over the years. Uh, as a small company, he recently attracted a large amount of investment from outside the state. And they wanted to move uh, the whole operation outside the state for all the usual reasons. Uh, but instead, we've worked with him, and because of his interactions with us, his investors decided to put the 150 manufacturing jobs in Ewing as opposed to out of state. Uh, <laughs> next slide, Joe. So uh, the third part of things that have changed is how we work with uh, outside community. You've heard a lot about K-12 through demos, uh, K-12 through students coming to Princeton. Uh, next slide. We have a lot of students coming on campus on all levels, from sixth graders from Trenton who are here from the summer now. Uh, to uh, students from across the country on uh, higher levels. Uh, I won't uh, say any more about that. What I'd like to do next uh, is uh, introduce you and have you make a few opening <laughs> remarks. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you very much. I think anybody who uh, was part of the tour this morning who would say what we saw was incredible would understand that that's an understatement of what we are seeing, what's happening in technology, and what the uh, applications are for the future. It is so exciting as to be mind-boggling, especially when you're my age trying to get your intellectual arms around some of these uh, concepts is a challenge. But I can see the younger generation, the uh, Horizons are unlimited for them, and that's really what all this is about and what makes it so very important and so very exciting. It is truly a pleasure to be here at Princeton and seeing these things happen at Princeton, sending the very strong message of how important our intellectual community is to the ability to put real live things in people's hands that have technological applications that people can understand and apply. And that is uh, an important part of the collaboration that we see happening here today. With all, I share with you one uh, phrase that uh, one of Princeton's most famous, uh, shall we say, uh, lab dwellers was uh, when Albert Einstein, who called science nothing more than the refinement of everyday thinking. Well, once again, I would say anyone who was part of the tour today would understand that I believe that Einstein didn't give himself nor everyone here enough credit. It is certainly more than just the refinement of everyday thinking. For the vast majority of us, science is truly a miracle and, as I said to someone particularly my age, a mystery, but one where we can appreciate what the future applications can be and the world of possibilities that are engendered by those. And it is your job as the scientists to see the possibilities of a problem and work those through to, through research and study to an end application and an end use. In state government, our job is to help you in every way and any way that we can. On Monday at Thomas Edison Libraries, uh, Laboratories, excuse me, I announced more than $100 million in new financing for programs of technology-based companies, many of those first-stage and second-stage companies, precisely the kind of needs that you were identifying, uh, Professor Strum, in your initial opening remarks. 
that's for the present and near term. But we have also got to prepare for the next millennium if we want to continue New Jersey's preeminent place in technology. We must ensure that our young people get the basics of science today so they can truly be the scientists of tomorrow. That's why I am very happy to announce today that we are going to be awarding to more than 80 recipients $8.5 million in grants from New Jersey's Technology Literacy Challenge Fund. This is the second round of grants that adds to the nearly $4 million awarded to 40 grantees in January of this year. These grants are going to encourage internet access, email for every teacher, a website for every school district. The goal is to promote activities that will help New Jersey st students achieve our core curriculum standards, uh, that, of which we are very proud and we feel to be truly uh, the solution for the future. I want to point out that each grant recipient must extend these grants to the community beyond the school day. They must provide online access in places such as public libraries and community centers. So these are truly community grants. It's important that we bridge the gap between the technology haves and the technology have-nots. Otherwise, we're not doing our job and we're not going to have the impact that we can have in our communities and in our state. Uh, such, just like in the movie Goodwill Hunting, you don't know where your next uh, expert is. You don't know where the next invention will come from and where that brilliant mind is lurking. It could be just around the corner or mopping the floors down the hall from you. Let me tell you a little bit about what the technology grants have done uh, to date. In Camden, Edith Gardner runs an elementary school computer lab to teach the core standards through hands-on projects. Her work is part of the Project Village program, which is a cadre of teachers and community staff that helps students master programs such as science and math and social studies. The district partners include the Holy Name School, the Juvenile Resource Center, Camden's Department of Health and Human Services, the City Library, and Rutgers. Together, they are truly making a difference in one of our more challenged areas of the state and show the beginning of what we can expect from modern technology in our schools. And I really want to thank you for the work that you're doing. Peg Berger is an innovative second through fifth grade technology teacher in Manchester Township. She's a key participant in the district's cross-generational computer program. And again, something that's very exciting for integrating the community. They have provided com computers to one of the largest senior citizen villages in the state and have developed an adopt-a-grandparent program that includes students interviewing senior citizens by email about historical events. I can think of really nothing more exciting and of no better way to give students an understanding and appreciation of history than be able to talk to people who have lived it and do it in a very direct sense. The information is then shared throughout the school and the community. Hilltop Nursery and Kindergarten, Ocean County Library, and the Ocean County College are all partners in this really truly remarkable and innovative program for kids of all ages, from seniors down to the most junior residents of this state. 
In East Brunswick, Ruth Chang uses the Internet, PowerPoint, and HyperStudio to help her eighth grade class students study history through project simulation-based learning. She's part of the East Brunswick District's grant, and, uh, which provides public access and online resources to the community as well. They have nine business partners for this project and also serve as the Educational Technology Training Center for Middlesex County. In fact, each one of our counties, our 21 counties, now has an, a Technology Education Training Center, or ETTC, up and running. And that was one of the earliest commitments we made to getting technology to our schools, which was an understanding that if our teachers didn't have an appreciation for what technology could bring to the classroom, they couldn't possibly pass it on to the students. And we needed to ensure that they, we were giving them the skills that they needed to have to use the technology that we were giving them. Our Department of Education has awarded grants totaling $10 million to establish county-based resource centers that will help teachers so that they can use the technology to implement our core curriculum standards. And by doing that, I know that we are going to be successful. One of our outstanding ETTCs is in Hunterdon County, Hunterdon Central Regional High School, my home county. And I am delighted to be able to, to promote that. It offers flexible training programs for teachers, support staff, and community members for all different experience levels so that you don't have to be an expert to participate. Through partnerships with Asbury Park High School and Ryder University, Hunterdon has truly journeyed into cyberspace education. They're using video conferencing to mentor students throughout New Jersey and help them achieve the standards that we have set. Hunterdon Central's English teacher, Florence McGinn, has been a creative force in using distance learning, truly someone who is very excited and exciting as she tells you what she has been doing. She links her students to college student mentors, puts them in touch with young writers in other school districts, and even created an online literary magazine called Electric Soup. And having read some of the poetry produced in collaboration between students in Hunterdon Central and Asbury Park, it is very exciting to see what can be accomplished and how it stimulates young people to achieve even more, as, as each one of these projects that I've talked about today does. Budding authors can collaborate on short stories in progress and in poetry, read alumni, staff, and community news. It keeps them very involved. I'm very proud to say that Florence is the Mid-Atlantic Regional winner of the 1998 Technology and Learning Teacher of the Year competition, and she's going to be traveling to San Diego as one of the four national finalists. That's next week, right? And congratulations. That's wonderful. For you. We are truly encouraging all our students and teachers to achieve as Hunterdon Central has and Florence McGinn has. We are helping them create scholars through our distance learning network aid. With more than $250 million over five years, we're helping each school in the state connect via technology. With the ETTCs and challenge grants, it's part of our efforts on keeping New Jersey at the cutting edge of high technology a position we hold now and we intend to hold for the future. It's no mystery how important technology is to our state. 
It employs literally hundreds of thousands of New Jerseyans in high-wage jobs. In fact, it's a one out of every ten persons holding jobs here in the state of New Jersey is in the field of high technology. It is that much at the core of our economic strength. And as anyone who picks up a paper knows, high-tech miracles are truly happening every day. Right here in Princeton, Bernhard Geiger and his colleagues at Simmons Corporation Research developed remarkable software that allows surgeons to pre-op a patient without touching them, to go through an entire surgical procedure without invading the human body, setting things up so that we can really see success without a lot of the trial and failure that occurs under the current methodology. And I am very excited by what this holds for the future and the fact that it's uh, the 3D imaging uh, is something that's happening here in New Jersey and is a going to be a leader in the field and really a true breakthrough for the future of, of surgery and it's very exciting. It's going to lower a patient's risks, obviously, uh, help surgeons prepare for particular procedures and provide risk-free way for them to train in general so that our surgeons, our surgical students get a better education and are better prepared when they actually have a patient with whom they have to deal. I want to congratulate uh, Dr. Geiger and his team for winning the Science World's virgin version of the Academy Awards, the prestigious Discover Award for breakthroughs in technology and innovation. And I want to congratulate them. And I'm proud to say that another remarkable breakthrough took place at Rutgers University. Uh, graduate student Ricky Abodi and biomedical professor uh, William Kralius have created an artificial hand that actually allows users to control individual fingers with the prosthesis. As you may know, in the past, prostheses have been, you could, they were claw-like or the entire hand, the fingers could move, but only all together. This actually allows the individual fingers to be stimulated and to move so that what can happen is that you keep the nerve endings alive and for people who might lose a limb in, the in an accident, they're actually going to be able not to have to relearn in a gross fashion, but in to continue the sensor paths that they already have, fine tune and make sure that now they can function in ways that they only dreamed of in the past. And that is a truly exciting innovation. This means it has great potential for the 50,000 Americans who have lost part of an arm to amputation and the roughly 3,000 babies born each year with malformed limbs. In demonstrations, users were able to type or even play the piano, something that couldn't have been dreamed of in the past. It's a great example of how technology can really improve the quality of life for the people not only of this state, but of this nation and the world. I believe that these miracles are more than just a refinement of everyday thinking, frankly. And they are proof of New Jersey's leadership role in science and technology. We are doing all that we can to make sure that New Jersey is the most technology-friendly state in the nation. We want to ensure that the next Einstein or Edison has all the support he or she needs to think and to create. It means more jobs, 
greater opportunity and a brighter future, not just for the people of this state, but truly for the people of the world. As talented educators and scientists prove every day, New Jersey and high technology are truly perfect together. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, everybody. Uh, next, I'd like to introduce Mark Zabludov from Discover Magazine, who will talk about uh, recognizing uh, special achievements in high technology. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm very, very happy and honored to be here as the representative of Discover Magazine. And as I hope many of you know, Discover Magazine is a general interest science and technology magazine that is aimed primarily at non-scientists and non-technologists. Our goal is to get news of the scientists' work out to the greater public. Every month, we reach a highly diverse group of more than 6 million readers who occupy every niche available to them on the demographic spectrum. But there are two characteristics that hold all these folks together. First, they all share an insatiable urge to know more about how the world works. And second, they all hold the conviction that through science, the world will work better tomorrow. Not long ago, a survey of our subscribers found that they overwhelmingly believe in the beneficial impact of science on society. More than 80% stated that scientific advances are more likely than anything else to strengthen our society. Two-thirds said that if they had the power and the, the budgetary wherewithal, they would gladly spend billions of dollars getting computers into every classroom and every school in this country. More than half of them believe that the United States should greatly expand our space exploration program to build for the future. Now, it's not surprising that the people who feel that way would come to discover for guidance and information. We've been celebrating technological achievement since our start nearly 18 years ago. The magazine first appeared on the newsstands in the fall of 1980, shortly before the launch of the very first space shuttle. It was, in fact, the great excitement of those times and the great hopes attending America's revived mission in space that led to the introduction of this magazine and its declared editorial mission to bring the marvelous world of science and technology to the public. Some of you may know that for the past seven years, Discover has been owned by the Walt Disney Company. Now, Disney bought this magazine not because it thought we would greatly add to the company's already sizable coffers. I mean, we're good, but we're not really that good. Uh, Disney bought Discover because it believed and it perceived that our subject matter was central to the historical position of the company, not only as a technological innovator in its own right, but as a promoter of education through creative, incredible programming and products. Back in 1980, we had discovered decided. Uh, nine, back in 1990, excuse me, we had discovered decided to do some educating on our own. Looking at the magazine universe around us, we saw there were no lack of publications touting celebrities of the moment, actors, singer, athletes, and other worthy, albeit ephemeral, wonders. But we saw nothing spotlighting the achievements that really had the power to make a difference in our lives, rather than create a mere diversion. And what I'm referring to here are the applied bits of scientific wisdom that really promise to better our world. So to correct that gross imbalance, we initiated the Discover Awards for Technological Innovation in the hope of shining some light 
upon the hard-working heroes of our technolo technological age. This month, in our current issue, we once again celebrate some of the most intriguing technologies we can find. The celebration is about more than just wondrous objects, though. It's a celebration of dedicated and all too often unknown men and women and the spirit of creative and compulsive curiosity they all exhibit. Among them, we are happy to note, is a team including Bernhard Geiger, Arun Krishnan, and Ali Bani Hashemi from the Siemens Research Center right here in Princeton. As Governor Whitman just described, they, with their innovative fly-through fly software, have created a virtual endoscope that may greatly improve a surgeon's ability to make diagnoses and to take biopsies. That innovative Siemens team joins 44 others as finalists in this year's Discover Awards, and we are delighted that we can play a small part in bringing their work to the attention of millions of appreciative readers. Those, those readers may not be as loud or as demonstrative as, say, basketball or football fans, but believe me, they are out there and they are thrilled with your efforts. We can only modestly hope that they will be as thrilled with ours. Let me now introduce you to the project leader of the Siemens team, Dr. Ali Bani Hashemi. Thank you. Well, uh, Dr. Whitman, uh, Governor Whitman, uh, Dean Wei, and Professor Sturm, thank you very much uh, for giving us the opportunity to be here and present to you uh, our technology and our project. And I also want uh, to uh, uh, appreciate every, all the audience to be here to listen to what we have to say about our technology. But before uh, getting into uh, describing our project, let me just give you a little bit uh, background about uh, the company that I'm representing, uh, Siemens uh, as a whole, and Siemens Corporate Research, uh, is, which is uh, one of the corporate R&D arms of Siemens within uh, New Jersey and Princeton. Uh, Siemens um, just celebrated its 150th anniversary uh, back in October. Uh, this company started uh, from a very small workshop in Berlin by uh, Werner von Siemens. Uh, he um, started this company, this little workshop, based on uh, an improved uh, pointer telegraph uh, that he invented, and uh, he started the company. And from that little workshop uh, back in uh, 1847, now Siemens uh, is one of the largest uh, electronic and electric uh, companies in the world. Uh, we employ in excess of uh, 386,000 people in 190 different uh, countries in the world. In the U.S. alone, we have 50,000 employees. And uh, we are leaders in a lot of uh, technological uh, areas. Uh, Siemens uh, had a very uh, interesting philosophy. He wanted to uh, base the business that he started on technological innovation and uh, uh, that he invented. That uh, tradition went on for a long time and uh, after his death actually continued throughout the company. And even uh, that legacy exists here now uh, in this uh, day and age. Although it's a very difficult uh, uh, marketplace these days with all the mergers and acquisitions to sort of uh, you know, maintain your own competency, but we're still trying to uh, follow that tradition. And that tradition actually uh, manifests itself in the development of our project. 
the virtual endoscopy that you saw, uh, a little demonstration of it um, a few minutes ago, it started about four years ago. Uh, this was a technology that brought in by my colleague, Dr. Bernhard Geiger, when uh, he did his PhD and postdoc work uh, in India and France. Uh, we hired him uh, together with my other colleague, Arun Krishnan. Uh, we saw the potentials of this technology. We perfected it uh, to a point that we showed its feasibility uh, in use in um, practical medicine. And then we uh, basically approached our sister company, uh, Siemens Medical Systems. Uh, and I'd like to acknowledge uh, uh, Alex Stein, who is representing uh, Siemens Medical Systems here. Uh, to recognize the potentials of this technology and uh, allow us and support us uh, in developing it into a product, and that's what we have uh, today, and we are offering that. Uh, so technological innovation and inventions are uh, a tradition in Siemens. Uh, Siemens is uh, uh, probably uh, one of its uh, scientific firsts include uh, electric uh, dynamo, uh, electric train, uh, we have uh, the first patent in X-ray tube, uh, telex system, a very exciting uh, technology, electron microscope, which has played a very, very important role in uh, electronics and material sciences has been invented by Siemens. We prototype uh, the development of um, the first the 64 and 256 KRAM in collaboration with IBM and uh, Toshiba. So uh, this basically tells you the history that the company has and tradition that it has that to build its business based on its own technological innovation, inventions, and competencies. Uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, virtual endoscopy and fly-through project that you saw, it, uh, our vision uh, there has always been to um, minimize uh, uh, the invasiveness of certain medical procedures by planning ahead, by doing a lot of the uh, exploratory work without uh, involving the patient at all in order to reduce the risk. And that has, uh, has been uh, very, very successful. Uh, it turned into a product last uh, October. It's been offered uh, as a product uh, right now. So it's one of the technological leaders in, uh, in the field. So um, I've been asked to reduce my uh, speech here today. So I just want uh, to, um, to acknowledge a few facts here. Uh, well, due to uh, your uh, innovation and initiative and uh, vision uh, to bring in entrepreneurial technologies within the state of New Jersey and high-tech technology, uh, new, uh, bringing a new into the new uh, into the New Jersey uh, state, uh, this has helped the economy of the state, and it will continue to do that. And uh, so, we want to thank you for doing that. We also want uh, to extend our appreciation to Discover Magazine and uh, Discover and uh, Disney Publishing for recognizing our work in virtual endoscopy and uh, publicizing it uh, to, to such extent. So thank you very much. Good. Uh, thanks. Uh, I'd now like to introduce uh, Florence McGinn, who's a high school teacher in 100 in New Jersey, 100 in County, and she'll tell us about uh, some leading work she's done on uh, high-tech education. Thank you, Governor Whitman, for your vision in recognizing the needs of this time of rapid change and for helping to make it a wonderful time to be a learner and an educator. There's a Japanese proverb, to teach 
is to learn. And that reality is recognized through your support of the distance learning network aid and the critical presence of each county's educational technology training center. Your vision has placed vital learning opportunities within our schools. Vision, shaping the future. The leaders here today know the importance of vision. In New Jersey, at 100 and Central, there's been a recognition that student-empowered and teacher-empowered education can be like attaching twin rockets to learning. Direction has been infused into our school by the soaring vision of Superintendent Ray Farley and the fire of empowerment of vision that today's ETTCs continue to support with wide breadth was initiated by Judy Gray as she developed our students, our school's academy to train staff on site. I took my first technology methods course in Dr. Gray's academy, and I progressed to teaching courses for the ETTC, not only for 100 and central teachers, but for Asbury Park teachers and county teachers. Education has expanded for teachers and for their students. Classroom experiences with technology have shown me that students of the net generation are open to a truly interactive, collaborative learning environment, one unlimited by old barriers of time and distance. I know this from my high school's vision, bringing to reality an English classroom enlarged by video conferencing links to a university, its technology-assisted union with an urban high school, its video conferencing connections to its own sending districts, and its global experiences on the internet. Equity and achievement are a natural part of a technology-assisted learning environment. Old barriers of time and distance are shattered so that as educators, we can assist our students in an educational experience in which their classrooms are living, changing spaces, environments without walls. To teach is to learn. It's a time of change where our individual schools are made comfortable environments of learning for students and teachers alike. This collaborative, interactive, technology-assisted education can prepare our students today for tomorrow's digital adulthood. Thank you, Governor Whitman, and all those here who have envisioned and helped to shape the power of that tomorrow. Thank you. Uh, our last speaker today is uh, a man who's had uh, many talents. Uh, Ed Zhao started his career as a high-tech entrepreneur and uh, with several companies out in Silicon Valley in California. Uh, many of you may know he then went on to be a congressman, U.S. congressman, known as a high-tech congressman. And more recently, he's been a professor in the Harvard Business School. Uh, teaching traditional business courses as well as focusing on entrepreneurship. And we've been fortunate at Princeton to have him here for the last year, uh, developing new ways to teach entrepreneurship to students and try and stimulate that process which generates new companies and new economic activity. So, Ed? Thanks, Jim. Governor Whitman, I'm mindful of your schedule. I've been in your position uh, before. <laughs> 
And so uh, I just want to say a couple of things about what we're doing and also indicate to you that I think there are some ways we can work together in order to foster the initiatives for entrepreneurship, particularly high-tech entrepreneurship that we, we have. Uh, Thirty years ago, I left Stanford University faculty to start a company in Silicon Valley. The thing that was unusual about that is that it wasn't unusual that literally thousands of companies were spawned by the university, its research, its students, its faculty, and people in that community. And um, my goal is to uh, leverage the rich tradition of New Jersey and the tremendous resources of Princeton University, Rutgers, and other educational institutions in this state, and the companies that already exist here, and create the same sort of vibrancy that uh, I experienced personally and that I had the privilege to represent in the United States Congress on that coast to replicate it uh, here and add to what's already happened. The initiatives that we've started are to create a course in starting high-tech companies based on the premise that young people are going to go out and start companies and they're going to read about other young people who start companies. Let's help them. Let's inspire them. And if we can do it in a way where they decide they're going to do it here rather than somewhere else, then we will have achieved an even greater objective for the state. Uh, I started a course uh, on starting high-tech companies last fall. I had about 50 students, and I'm proud to say that three of those students turned down their job offers, came to me last week and said, we're going to do it, and we're going to start in Princeton. It's the kind of thing that I think we can promote. In the fall, we're going to not only going to have the course again, we'll have a campus-wide business plan contest to engage people in all fields to think about entrepreneurship. We're starting an entrepreneurship club here on the campus, getting much more involved in a catalyst of taking research from the laboratories into the real world through uh, entrepreneurial startup activities with the idea that we can create an incubation site and uh, a, a vibrant activity here so that we're not just a source of talent for the high-tech industries around the world, but we're also a beneficiary and a fostering of that talent and the entrepreneurial process. Uh, I would like to propose that we find ways where we can support your economic development activities and play a role in that, and then also explore ways in which you and your team and the state government can uh, help to support the uh, entrepreneurial and high-tech uh, startup activities that we're trying to uh, generate. Uh, I'm a great believer in, in academic, industry, government partnerships. I've seen them work. I've participated in that. And we would very much appreciate the chance to help you and be grateful for any support that you can provide us. We're, we're delighted that you would share your time with us here this morning to learn a little bit more about what we're doing and uh, look forward to working with you and the state government in the future. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ed. That's tough to top. So uh, just to close, I'd like to, uh, to quickly thank a few people. First, Kari Cawthon from the governor's office wherever he is, to help us put today, put together a program, and also especially Joe Montemarano, Kim Hagelbach, Emery DeMeo, and Paul Alling from Princeton, who've uh, basically made all this happen. And finally, I want to thank you, Governor Whitman, 
for taking time out from your busy schedule and even uh, running a few minutes over so you could see all the things that are going on here today. And I especially appreciate your uh, your true interest in all the things that are going on and your true curiosity and not just the feigned, the feigned, uh, few feigned questions, but the especially made it exciting for us to have you really want to find out what we're doing. So uh, thank you very much.